now serving F-27 at DMV window number 16. Okay, Rose, we're second in line. Perfect, Rose. You remembered the birth certificate? Yes, and we have our electric bill. Excellent. We'll be Real ID ready in no time. Real ID ready to visit our grandson, Ricky, at Fort Bragg, then fly to New Orleans for Jazz Fest. Pardon me, are you talking to yourself? <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I am. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash realid. Good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher and I'm happy to be here today and to be your host for uh, the next hour. If you're a longtime listener or new to the program, I am a certified financial planner and a CPA with Boucher Financial Group, and it's uh, you know it's a real pleasure to uh, to be able to be here and to, uh, to talk to all of you today. Uh, obviously, there was a lot that took place this week, uh, just a short week in the market, but a lot of uh, things that we can get into and discuss. So we have a busy show, a lot that I want to get into, but. Always love hearing from the listeners and seeing what they, uh, you know, questions you may have, questions that are on your mind, things that uh, you're paying attention to out in the markets and in the economy, and whether it's with retirement planning, uh, again, the, the, the day-to-day, week-to-week movements of the market, you know, what's going on in, in Washington and how that, you know, lately how it's affecting <laughs> seems to be more and more having an impact on on our uh, our portfolios. So give me a call. Our phone lines are open 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. So I said I had a lot that I want to get into today. Hopefully we'll be able to get through it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the past week in the stock market, kind of look into what has been driving the market over the last week, two weeks, months. You know, we're coming off of uh, this past week was the worst week we've had so far, uh, year to date in the markets. Uh, we had a terrible May. Uh, we, we've seen uh, the bond market shifting pretty dramatically over the last uh, few weeks and months. So we can talk about that talk a little bit about the U.S. economy. We'll be seeing next week, we'll get some uh, some updated job numbers for the month of May. Uh, you know, so far, all most economic data has been pretty uh, solid, been pretty good. But, you know, certainly there is fears in, in the current economic environment. And a lot of that can be pointed to what we're seeing, uh, you know, in, in with regard to foreign policy and in the tariff man coming striking again this week, uh, you know we we woke up to news or maybe you heard it Thursday night uh, proposed tariffs with Mexico that had a big impact on the markets yesterday. Uh, get into uh, what's still going on with China. Uh, you know this this trade war was supposed to be easy, uh, supposed to be easy to win. Uh, that was more than a year ago that those comments were made. So we can talk about all the impacts and uh, give you my thoughts on, you know, really why I disagree with uh, with the outlook and the plan with with uh, the threats with Mexico, how it really doesn't make any sense and uh, not a lot of thought put in there. But we can talk about it. Love to hear your opinions. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we, we always talk about individual stocks. We get a lot of questions, uh, whether it's with, um, you know, pr- pr- prospective clients, with existing clients, and uh, talk a little bit about the, you know, the current IPO market. 
you know how that's been impacting. You know, you're you're seeing a lot of the the big name, the, these unicorns they call them, the Ubers, the Lyfts of the world, not really taking off as maybe investors had had thought they would. And so, talk about what what drives sort of the uh, you know these new issuances of stock, how they tend to perform. Finally, we'll talk a little bit about. You know, believe it or not, over the last week, it, news came out last week with some uh, some some agreement in Washington and uh, what they uh, they passed in the House still needs to get through the Senate, but the Secure Act and how that may impact your IRAs, um, retirement plans if you're a small business owner. So some interesting things there that we can get into. And again, phone lines are open. Give us a call one eight hundred talk WGY. That's one eight hundred eight two five. Five nine four nine. We're gonna to go to the phones. We have Jim in Albany. Jim, how are you this afternoon? Very good, thank you. Um, you know, I appreciate you doing the show, and I have a question for you uh, here in uh, Albany. Uh, you probably are aware that uh, Pioneer is going to be going kind of half public, uh, and they're going to issue uh, stocks uh, in an IPO to their uh, mutual owners, uh, people who have accounts in the bank. And I was wondering what you felt about uh, that that offering, if it was going to be a very a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, it's you know we we've we've talked about it. We've had uh, clients reach out to us and ask us about it. We saw the news and and how it's being offered, as you said, to customers of the bank. And you know, this sort of goes into what I had mentioned in my opening statement in terms of you know IPO market, single stocks. Um, you know, trying to determine. You know, are these are these single issuances? Are these individual stocks? Are they good investments? And you know, our feeling, and if you've listened to the show and uh, and calling in, I'm I'm assuming you've probably listened before. Um, you know, we're we always talk about we're big proponents of ETFs because you know, as you look at the stock market these days, it is such such an efficient market. And to, to make the determination of which companies are going to take off, which are going to do well, you know, it was funny, we were doing an analysis, and this is just, uh, you know, not really related to Pioneer, but Constellation um, brand of, of uh, you know, beer and liquor distributor, sure. they, you know, uh, solid company, but all of a sudden Mexico tariff news comes out Thursday night, and, you know, Friday has a terrible day in the market. These things you just cannot predict, and so there's so much, you know, uncertainty and unknowns with individual stocks, and uh, you know, in terms of how they perform versus the rest of the market, that's really what what you want to compare it to. And so, you know, is it potentially an opportunity to, you know, could it be a good investment? It might be. You know, I personally have not done, you know, an analysis of of Pioneer and and what it can mean for, you know, an investor going forward in terms of how it may perform versus the rest of the market. But there's risks involved. But, you know, if you're, you know, a local someone who's, you know, either works for the bank or has a relationship with the bank, like what they do and want to be part of, you know, potential upside growth of, of a company like that, especially a company with local roots here, um, then certainly it's, it's a good thing to, to be a part of it. You know, as we advise clients, we never really want to be more than five, especially 10% of your, your overall net worth, um, whether you work for a company or, or just investing in a company. Um, you know, something like this certainly would want to keep it less than 5%. Um, but 
you know, there's there could be pros and cons to it. And like I said, with with the stock market and individual companies like that, it's really hard to to pick and choose winners and losers. And uh, you know, so could it be? Well, you know, with companies, uh, you can there is a lot of uh, information, but with an IPO like that one, it's really hard to find any analysis. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of information out there and available yet. And uh, you know, I'm actually pulling up. We we. Um, uh, and one of my colleagues, David Rath, had talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the on the market. But you know, more times than not, with with IPOs and in the IPO market, you know, you get that first that one day bump. Typically, you get that great one day if you're able to get into the the market initially and get that first bump. But following that first day, most IPOs. Those stocks typically underperform uh, similar stocks by about three percent per year over a five-year period. This was a study by uh, a professor down in University of Florida, Jay Ritter. Um, but you know, it just goes to show that y- you sort of get the sense that uh, you got to get involved with IPOs. They're, they always go up. They always go up. Well, you know, a lot of times that that growth and the strength typically just happens in that first day, and then moving forward, it's not always um, you know the best places to be. And, and that's not that's not an analysis at all on on the current uh, pioneer outlook because like i said you know i really don't have a strong opinion one way or the other but you know i know we we've been assisting clients and in, in answering questions um with regard to it and like i said it, it could become a, a good investment but really hard to say uh like i said it doesn't technically it doesn't really go along with our um you know approach to investing but uh you know again if someone has a has a, the desire to get into it and and has a tie to uh to wanting to be a part of that local bank and, and to see what it could do going forward, you know, it, it, it couldn't hurt if you if you have a small uh, ownership in it. Yes, you know, I I, I uh, at one time bought some stock in uh, Troy Savings Bank when it went public, and and both Pioneer and Troy were like hundred year old banks in the area, and it turned out uh, Troy Savings Bank was a, a great uh, uh, investment. I, I only bought a very few shares; they didn't have much money then, but. Uh, uh, it turns out, you know, it was, was bought by another local bank here, and then finally the key bank bought it out. But so the stocks did tremendously well. Because there was a lot of stored-up wealth in Troy Savings Bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and then that's a that's a great local story, and and one that, um, in terms of a little before my professional career, but certainly growing up in Troy and, and being familiar with it and knowing how well um, it had done, and you know we've we've at times you know you, you talk about some of these smaller regional banks, even from our perspective, sometimes and we've had it in the past, we've gotten into actual small cap and mid cap regional banking ETFs, where again you're not holding these these companies individually, but uh, you can, you know, make up a basket. I think that that uh, position held maybe thirty to forty, you know, small cap regional um, bank ETFs. And some, you know, sometimes in certain, um, you know, interest rate environments, business cycles, some of these smaller banks will outperform and do better, especially you know, versus their larger larger banks that you know maybe derive more income from you know trading and, and some other uh, services. Whereas you know, the smaller banks have probably a more uh, impact. By you know the interest rate environment in in some business cycles, so it can certainly be an interesting play in in looking at how it fits into a portfolio. There there could definitely be room for that, and uh, you know especially getting some exposure to a, a smaller uh, regional financial services company. You know there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time because uh, I was kind of at a uh, 
a loss on how many shares I'd want to buy. And, and you're kind of saying that, that you know, don't bet the farm, but uh, 5 or 10% of your portfolios not a bad uh, way to start. Yeah, I would I would probably say with something like that, definitely under 5%. Um, you know, typically, if we're working with clients that maybe work for, for a large publicly traded company and they have a lot of options or restricted stock units, they can tend to build up, um, you know, even greater, you know, 20, 30% of their portfolio in these particular companies. And especially if they're working there, we're always saying, well, hey, now a lot of your investable wealth, but also your your career is tied to that company. We try to at least get that down to, you know, a, a 10% range. Something like this, um, you know, this type of investment, I would probably say, you know, certainly keep it under 5% as an individual holding um, because, you know, you haven't, you haven't accumulated that already through... Again, you know, your work situation or maybe an inheritance, um, you know, a lot of times that 10% is something that is, you know, maybe maybe a position really took off in someone's uh, portfolio or they inherited large amount of shares or, like I said, worked for a particular company. Um, something when you're, where you're just buying into it, I would probably um, recommend keeping it under 5% for a single uh, stock risk perspective. Right. Well, that's, that's very helpful. Thanks. All right, Jim. Best of luck. If you have any other questions, you know, always give our our, uh, show a call or or feel free to give our office a call. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. It's a great great question. Again, our phone lines are open 1-800-TALK-WGY. It's 1-800-825-5949. You know, these things come up in in, with the news out of Pioneer um, in the last week or two. Uh, it's certainly a question that's on a lot of investors' minds, and you know, I always like to be you know, totally transparent in terms of, hey, what is what is your outlook on a particular stock? It is really a lot of times, you know, not only hard just to say, you know, is it going to go up or down from here? Is it going to be a good investment? But I always try to relate it to, you know, how is it going to do versus, say, a uh, uh, index of peers? You know, a company like the like Pioneer. You know, how is it going to do versus other regional banks? Because you know, a lot of times companies in particular sectors will move maybe not 100% lockstep but they are they can be highly correlated because they're moving on different factors based on uh, what's going on in the market, what's going on in the economy. So there can be high correlation between uh, companies in particular sectors. So, you know, something like that, when when you look at it, you know, maybe you do want to compare how Pioneer stacks up to, you know, maybe other other small regional banks. That could be a good uh you know, comparison to. And, you know, it's it's worth an analysis. And, you know, if, if it's something that you want to get into, you know, the biggest thing to do is, you know, manage that risk of an individual share or an inv- individual company. And, and in this case, you know, getting exposure, but not, um, you know, having overexposure to it in your portfolio. But it was a great question, Jim. Appreciate the call. Again, 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. Um, I'm going to go to a quick commercial break. Uh, But when we come back, we'll get into, again, a little bit of how the stock market did this past week, what's driving uh, stocks, why did we see such a uh, poor May. And and really, when you go back, probably the last five or six weeks have have been off for the market. Um, we'll get into that a little bit and talk about what's going on both in the U.S. international markets and in the U.S. economy. So stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk Money on 810 and 1031 WGY. And welcome. 
Welcome back to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher, and I'm filling in for uh, my father, Steve, today, who is actually with my mom. They are traveling up to Lake Placid to uh, to attend a wedding this afternoon. So I am designated to fill in. Uh, glad to be here. Happy to be on the uh, airwaves with you. And uh, we've got a great show, a lot to uh, discuss. Like I said, we had a short week in the markets, but a... Um, you know, exciting week, I guess, from a, from a news perspective and uh, watching the markets. Maybe not so exciting if you were, uh, you know, glued to your portfolio on a day-to-day basis, but certainly a lot to discuss. Uh, happy to take any questions that listeners may have. Give us a call, 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. We talked a little bit about Pioneer stock issuance, um, how that could play into your portfolio. And with anything like that, again, it's hard to uh, fully say what what the outlook's going to be for a company like Pioneer. But you know, I think the biggest thing you can do is when you're making investment decisions, whether um, you know with, with a mutual fund, ETF, or individual company like, like Pioneer, you know, how does it fit into your overall portfolio and making decisions so that you can analyze that? You know, when we when we do trading for for our clients and we make decisions within the portfolio, we primarily are using exchange traded funds, ETFs. Uh, you know, we you could go on and on. I was talking to a prospective client yesterday about you know the big three, the big three reasons why we like it: costs, uh, much lower costs, and a mutual fund performance. Uh, you know, 80 to 95, 80 to 90 percent of the time, it sort of varies, but over a three to five year period, uh, ETFs or the indices are going to outperform any active managers. And lastly, if you if you have a taxable account, the tax efficiency of ETFs are so much better than mutual funds, and and the the amount of payout that mutual funds are required to to pay out that. A lot of times, these these ETFs, you know, over a long period of time, if you're in a taxable account, that tax efficiency can make such a such a big impact. You know, if you're comparing ETFs to a individual stock, you know, have your have your broker or advisor, if they're using individual stocks, put together a uh, you know a return analysis on how their individual stocks have uh, have performed relative to a given benchmark. Use the S and P 500. Use the Russell 2000 if they're small cap stocks. See how they they've done. I, I can almost assure you more times than not, it's going to be hard for those individual securities to outperform the benchmark. So it's always good to to take a look at that. We get, um, you know, again, perspectives, clients that come in with, you know, a portfolio of 100, 200 individual stocks. And you take a look at that and you say, well, you know, this is great, but you've essentially built a, a index but without any real strategy there, and it's always good to find out hey, what are how are these positions built in your portfolio? What are they meant to do? And so, when we're making investment decisions as an investment committee at our firm, Boucher Financial Group, and we're doing all that as a committee, we always we meet every week. We don't trade on our clients' portfolios every week, but we are meeting every week to uh, you know discuss the portfolios, look at the market, look at the economy, and and when we make a decision, you know we don't do so. Um, you know, r- rationally or irrationally and, and too quick, we, we really do our due diligence and, and come to a conclusion as a committee. And, uh, you know, we, we look at what the impact a particular trade is going to have on, on not only the current, you know, outlook of the portfolio, but taking into account where we are in the, the market cycle, the economic cycle, how it's going to look going forward. And you got to just figure out how does 
that position fit into your your overall um, portfolio and how does it does it add diversification you know right now the the we've seen a little shift over probably the last five to six months where diversification is becoming an even more powerful tool whereas you know before the last couple of years there's been very highly correlated um asset classes so you know if if international stocks are going up or u.s stocks are going up they're moving together now we're we're seeing a divergence of that and diversification more than ever is really really going to pay dividends now you you got to have a long-term approach with that and you know sometimes you may have positions in your portfolio that aren't doing as well as other positions but that's okay that's what diversification is there for and if you're a long-term investor there's nothing wrong with that but you know when you're when you're looking at a position like pioneer and into jim's question you know if you're you're trying to determine how much you should add you know a position like that really really i think it's important to uh uh you know limit it to you know under five percent not get uh, too aggressive with it and as well as you know how are you how are you making that decision are you pulling that are you making that investment from cash that you have on the sideline you know right now i don't know if that would be the best place to do it you really want to kind of look at it and say well you know what are you going to replace i would probably recommend replacing uh if you're adding pioneer with you know some us equity holding that you may already have particularly something in a in a small cap uh, position because that's what it's going to most closely mirror in terms of the makeup of, of that security and that company. And so you, that's those are the decisions you need to make because you know if you're pulling it from cash or, or a bond holding, all of a sudden you're adding 5% um, to, to an equity position in your portfolio that you weren't holding already. And that changes your overall risk risk outlook and risk tolerance and to do that you know at this stage in in the the bull market that we've seen you know as long as you understand the risks that are associated maybe it makes sense for you but i think these are all things that you need to consider and after seeing um you know how the market's done over the last you know this past week again i said uh this past week was the worst week we've had in in 2019 and uh, we've, we're on a six-week losing streak right now for the Dow. I think one of those early weeks, uh, the S&P may have been up a little bit. So I don't think the S&P is on a six-week losing streak, but I think it's on a four- or five-week losing streak. And so we're seeing some, uh, you know, a little bit of volatility right now. We're seeing a little bit of, uh, you know, hesitancy in the market, especially with uh, news out of Washington and, and some of the tweets that we're seeing from the president. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more. We'll, we'll discuss sort of the, the breakdown of what tariffs with Mexico mean, why, uh, you know, personally, I don't think it's a good strategy. I actually think it's a pretty horrible strategy and, and have a lot of reasons for that. Um, we still haven't figured out the China relations that's been going on for over a year now and uh, without much resolution. So a lot of things that that, you know, are concerning investors, a little fear in the market. And we need to go in and, and kind of assess how does that play out and how do our risk factors make the most sense as a as an individual investor and we keep saying the fourth quarter of last year was a great opportunity to assess that risk so we are getting closer to our break for the news like i said we we've gone through a lot of uh you know a few different topics uh, i'll talk a little bit more about what the uh 
potential for tariffs with Mexico can mean, uh, why that's a bad thing. Uh, talk a little bit about what happened in D.C. with the SECURE Act and how um, investors, especially retirees, could be impacted the most if that goes through. It's got passed through the House, still needs to get passed through the Senate, but but could be advantageous. So with that, let's take a short break for the news. Stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk Money, 810-1031-WGY. 150 years of breakthroughs, milestones, and triumphs. 150 years of Children's National Hospital. 150 years of generous community support. You can give kids a future where they get freckles instead of chemotherapy and paper cuts instead of surgery. Children's National Hospital. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. The pandemic has changed so much about what we can expect from healthcare. Now more than ever, we must make the future affordable, accessible, and equitable. I'm Jody Lesh. In a new podcast from Kaiser Permanente, we interview the thought leaders and care providers who are helping shape the future of not just healthcare but fields like digital therapeutics and AI. We have a lot to learn from one another. Listen to Ahead in Health wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 1031 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher and I'm your host today, filling in for my father, Steve, who is away this weekend for a wedding. So happy to be here. Phone lines are open. Give us a call, 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We have Steve in Scattercoke. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, how you doing? Is your name Steve also? No, it's Ryan. Ryan. I'm sorry, Ryan. Okay. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Thanks for filling in for your dad there. Absolutely. I I think the geopolitical is, is a little more complex than you'll definitely get from the from the mainstream media or whatever you're watching, whatever people are watching, because the Trump, they're going to try and blame Trump for everything. And they, they always, they have, you know, but the, the problem is, is that he doesn't control a lot of the economy and they want him out. And that, that's why you got to be really careful about 2020. They'll, they'll crash the sucker just to get him out of office. And I'm talking big players like George Soros, the World Bank. And let's face it, there's a lot of people against them globalism versus nationalism, that kind of stuff, that's going to come to play, and they're going to use the economy as a weapon. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, um, and and someone made this point yesterday, I was watching, uh, usually we'll watch Bloomberg as opposed to, you know, CNBC or or some of the other business channels, but, you know, at the end of the day, to be honest, the, the, stock, the stock market and the public markets are pretty resilient. They're going to be bigger than anything that, you know, politics are doing. And at the end of the day, the markets are an efficient, efficient area. And you're going to see some, you know, short-term volatility. Obviously, we saw some volatility yesterday with news about Mexico. But, um, you know, this fear of uh, someone being able to crash the economy, uh, it's not going to, you know, George Soros isn't going to be able to crash the economy. Uh, You know, Democrats won't be able to crash the economy. Um, you know, this, I think that's more of a, uh, you know, conspiracy theory type, type outlook at it. You know, I do no, but, think, but when you look, look at the numbers though, we're $22 trillion in debt. And the only reason to keep it massive inflation down is because that money is circulating outside the country. You get that money to circulate inside the country 
and you could easily you're going to dethrone the, the U.S. dollar. That that's almost inevitable. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of reasons why inflation is so low. I have my feelings. I've I've continued to say for for many years. I think uh, you know technology and the way we've been able to implement technology has been one thing. You know, wages being low somewhat is having an impact on inflation, too. We haven't seen that that tremendous growth in wages uh, during this recovery cycle. It's getting a little bit better recently. Um, but, you know, there's certainly something to be said about wages still being relatively stagnant on a historical basis. But, you know, you look at you look at what technology affords us. I mean, Think about a TV these days. You know what? How much? How much were you spending for a, a thirty-six inch? You know, two hundred pound TV wasn't flat screen fifteen twenty years ago. Versus, you know, what you can get for for a fraction of the price today. You're probably getting a sixty inch TV for cheaper than you could. You know, a, a thirty-six inch TV 20, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and that's on a relative. That's not even taking into a account inflationary factors. And so, you know, technology continues to improve. I think that keeps a lot of prices low. That's kept inflation, I think, a little bit lower. Wages not rising has kept inflation low. And, you know, our debt is a major, major threat. But, you know, let's face it, we haven't really tackled our debt. And in fact, it's going to get worse moving forward. And, you know, let's face it, whether it's Democrats in office or Republicans in office, we really haven't seen any politician willing to tackle our, our national debt and to make that better. And that's going to be a real fear. And, you know, like I said, I don't think it matters if it's going to be Republicans or Democrats in office because no one's willing to to make the hard decisions. And I do think, unfortunately, you know, I think we got a little bit of a year boost from our latest, uh, you know, tax plans that are out there. But I have a feeling that, uh, you know, that that tax plan from last year is going to have a longstanding negative impact on our national debt, unfortunately. And so, you know, these are all factors that we do need to be aware of and, and you know, watch out for. But, you know, this this notion that, you know, there's going to be something that takes down the economy so that Trump doesn't get elected next year. Listen, I'm I'm not an anti-Trump. I, I think he's done some decent things. Um, I think this this tariff threat with Mexico isn't one of those. I don't think that's a uh, good strategy. And you know, using tariffs to try to impact immigration, they're not really related. And so, you know, I think that's where uh, they're getting into some problems with uh, their strategy and their outlook. And you know, really, the only way to tackle immigration is with uh, you know Republicans and Democrats coming together and. They're actually related in that it's a poke in the eye of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, okay? Because he, he's fighting the battle on all fronts. And what he's doing, when he puts in tariffs, he's saying, screw you, Chamber of Commerce. You don't want to stand for this country and our borders. Yeah. Then then you're out. Then yeah. you're going to lose some money, basically. Well, yeah. No, it, potentially. I don't know. I appreciate the call, Steve. Anything else with regard to markets or the economy? No. No, hey. I'm I'm doing okay right now because I'm shorting it. Well, that that probably worked for you the last couple of weeks, and we'll see what what goes on from here. But I appreciate the call, Steve, and uh, thanks for thanks for listening. And you know, Steve brings up good points in terms of you know what's what's going on at the border. Although, like I said, I I don't think that the the tariffs and uh, immigration are are really related. And uh, you know, I think that. 
the uh, you know our economy runs with with immigration. Immigration's not all bad, and uh, you know I think with with a rising rising economy and a strong economy, we need immigration to to fill jobs and to to help propel us even further. And so I think there's a little of a you know misnomer that it's that it's all bad, and and I think the president right now is uh, playing into that a little bit. But again, thanks for the call. You can give us a call one eight hundred talk WGY. That's one eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We have Rich in Albany. Rich, how are you today? Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. Certainly. Uh, let's think about adding overall another 20% from cash into my portfolio. And uh, I think it might be a good time at this point maybe to take half of that 10% and put it to work. Yeah, no. So what has, in terms of the 20% in cash, have you been, did you come into cash? Have you just been sitting on it for some time, waiting for a little volatility and an opportunity? Well, yeah, I had some tax implications earlier in the year or so. I had to pull some out, and uh, now I'm at the point, I like to be about 60 overall. Okay. And uh, I'd like to maybe up the ante a bit. I figure if I liked it a month and a half ago, I should love it right now. Yeah, absolutely. You're about 7% off of uh, off of the highs that we saw earlier in the month. Uh, we actually looked at, at we, and we put some cash to work for clients yesterday. And it, you know, it all comes down to what your long-term outlook is. Like I said, markets are down 7%. Are we at a bottom right now? Again, impossible to say because we could get more bad news. Uh, we could get more tweets. Who knows what's going to happen? We could we could go down even further from here. But if you're a long-term investor, you know the risks that could be associated with stocks, and it fits into your overall risk tolerance and in target allocation. I think it's a great time. Like I said, we've we increased our um, we put a lot of cash to work in the last two days for clients. Found some clients that that have some uh, you know dollar cost averaging schedules that we moved up a little bit yesterday to take advantage of the volatility and you know like I said if you're looking at it as a long term investor and you want to get to a particular target um, equity position in your portfolio hey with the markets being down seven percent from where the highs were. I don't think it's a bad time to to take advantage. Like I said, it doesn't mean that the markets couldn't go down from here. But if you're sitting on twenty percent and you want to put half of that to work, I would say definitely, definitely look to do that. And as long as it fits into your overall um, risk position and risk tolerance, then you know I would see nothing wrong with that. And like I said, in fact, we actually were doing uh, something similar this week for our clients. So it definitely fits into how we're we're viewing the markets. Well, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate the input. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. Appreciate the call. Bye now. All right, thanks. Again, our phone lines are open, 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. And, and Rich brings up a good point in terms of, you know, taking advantage of, of markets. And, you know, again, it, 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 it depends on what your tolerance for risk is, what your situation is. You know, maybe you were sitting on a little bit extra cash, um, either that you've come into or, you know, for our clients, sometimes clients come with, with big cash positions, whether it's, again, could be from an inheritance, could be from, you know, a sale of business that, you know, we're looking to get 
invested in the market, but it wasn't invested in the market. And so we kind of go through an analysis as to how do we get that cash to work. And if we're taking a dollar cost average strategy and breaking that out over three, six, maybe 12 months, um, we do that because, you know, we may get opportunities from, you know, period to period. And, you know, right now with markets down 7%, it's definitely an opportunity. And, and we look to get cash to work because, again, our, our clients are long-term investors and, you know, trying to get to their target allocation. If we can take advantage of some of this volatility, it's always a, a good thing to do. With that, I'm going to go back to our phone lines. We have Don on the line. Don, how are you this afternoon? Good. Uh, uh, well, can you tell us basically what the... IRA changes would be in the House bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get into that. That's a great, great point, Don. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, so they, the House recently, and believe it or not, they passed it 417 to 3. So uh, you had, you know, Republicans and Democrats finally agreeing to something wow. together. But uh, um, so it passed the House last week. It's going to have to go through a version of the Senate. But essentially, one of the big things would be they're looking to increase the required minimum distribution age. So right now, you know, if you are 70 and a half and you have an IRA, you're required to start drawing that down and taking distributions. Your your first year distribution is about 3.75% of the value of that IRA. And then it continues to go a little bit up from there as you get older. Um, the version that passed in the House was looking to actually move that up to 72 so it, it increases that a little bit. And actually, the version in the Senate, uh, they're looking at age 75. So I don't know where that will you know, all end up, but you could definitely see the RMD uh, age change moving forward once uh, you know, this bill gets through both, uh, both houses and or the House and the Senate um, in Congress. Uh, the Is other there thing any that- change for me, who's 83? Um, you know, they're, they're looking to potentially remove the age limitation on IRA contributions. So right now you're, um, once you hit 70 and a half, you're no longer able to contribute to an IRA, but, um, you know, to contribute to an IRA anyways, you need earned income. So if you don't have, um, earned income and you're not working, probably not much an effect there. And, and the other big thing is they're, they're looking to make, um, you know, implementing retirement plans a little bit easier for, for small businesses and small business owners. So, um, you know, given your age and, and, you know, not knowing your full situation, there may not be any major impacts. Um, I don't know if, if any of the, um, you know, calculations in the IRS table would change with regard to the RMD, or if it'll stay the same because it's, yeah, essentially based on a age expectation of uh, of how they configure that that calculation. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head if that could potentially change, but it's mostly, um, you know, the big one is that change of RMDs and then potentially being able to contribute to an IRA um, moving forward once you're over 70 and a half. Like I said, that that's the cap currently because it aligns with the RMD age. Good. Well, I thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate the call, Don. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in, and, and thanks for the question. Again, our phone lines are open, 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 1-800-825-5949. Uh, we're heading to you know the last 10 minutes or so of the show. Uh, why don't we take a short commercial break, but stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk Money on 810 and 1031 WGY. 
and welcome back to Let's Talk Money here on 810 and 103.1 WGY. I'm Ryan Boucher, and I am your host today, and we're heading to the home stretch of our show. we got about 10 minutes left. Uh, we've talked about the stock market. We've talked about some uh, you know, strategies of, of getting cash to work with, with the recent volatility. We've talked a little bit about um, you know, these, these tariffs with Mexico, um, you know, whether, whether it's good or bad. Um, you know, we can, can talk a little bit about that. Uh, again, don't like to get too much in the, the political sphere with that, but, you know, as it relates to the economy and the stock market, obviously we've, we've sort of seen a, a increase in how, um, you know, things coming out of Washington can, can affect the markets and really move the markets, whether it's a tweet or a statement, um, you know, with Ch- regard to China we saw over the last couple of weeks, with regard to Mexico on Thursday night and into the markets yesterday. You know, these are having bigger impacts on the market. And, you know, as, as I think the, the best quote I heard yesterday was that, you know, the market's resilient. The market's going to, um, you know, do what the market does. You may see some short-term volatility, but again, if you're a long-term investor, you know, the markets are going to really follow what's going on with the economy and the strength of these companies and profits. And a lot of this short-term noise won't be as much of an issue on the long term, but we're seeing it, you know, impact on a day-to-day basis, you know, sometimes on a weekly basis with some of the news that's coming out. So, you know, it's it's worth discussing and, and seeing the pros and cons of what's going on and, and how it maybe will affect uh, the markets as a whole moving forward and you know, should you should you change your your investment outlook? Should you change your strategy? Uh, you know, a lot of times with with the day to day news, I wouldn't do anything major. But you know, keep in mind that again, we are uh, ten years into this bull market cycle. We're we're at a very efficient place with the economy. The economy has been, uh, you know, very strong through through the last couple of years and, and continues to be strong. I mean, we're adding a uh, tremendous amount of jobs on a month-to-month basis still. You know, we may have one-off bad uh, months here or there, but overall, I think for last year, we were still um, creating close to 200,000 jobs a month. And, and being 10 years into recovery cycle, uh, you know, we hit July and we're still uh, growing the economy. That'll be the longest recovery we've seen since uh, World War II. So, I mean, these things are, are you know, we're, we're still, there's still a lot of good news out there. But again, I think we got to take into account there's un- geopolitical uncertainties, again, with our trade partners. Um, you know, there's, there's a point where, you know, the markets and the economy aren't the same thing. They can move, they typically move in lockstep, but they don't always move in lockstep and, and keeping that into account. Um, and, and being aware of, of how these could impact. And I think the last couple of weeks we've seen, um, you know, a little bit of a of fear how the economy could be impacted if we don't get things resolved with China. Um, it's becoming more and more of a long-term issue as, as we continue to move forward um, without getting a resolution. And, you know, we've seen it impact our, our country and our, you know, certain sectors. The manufacturing sector has been negatively impacted. The farming sector has been very negatively impacted. We've even had to have a government, um, you know, assistance there because of how much we rely in, in certain uh, agricultural uh, areas, how much we rely on on China as a buying and trade partner. And so these things are, are major issues. And, you know, the longer they go on, when, when the two biggest economies in the world aren't coming to a resolution on trade, that's not a good thing. 
And the other thing to remember, too, now with, you know, the news from Mexico, Mexico has been our biggest trade partner this year, um, year to date. You know, we just signed new, we just updated the NAFTA agreements a couple months ago. You know, this isn't a good look for, for the U.S. When, when we come to trade agreements with our, our biggest trade partners and then we renege on them, you know, within months, that doesn't really build a lot of goodwill around the world. And, you know, as much as, uh, you know, globalization there's been a lot of good with globalization. There's been, you know, there's been some negative impacts with globalization. Certainly, we've we've had some sectors in our our U.S. economy that has been negatively impacted uh, over the past couple decades. You know, particularly manufacturing with with some jobs leaving, and you know, it's it's tough to see that in you know some areas of the country more than others, and and you really don't want to see that. But overall, I would say you know globalization has been a has been a positive, and we need to keep some of these trade partners and we have to keep our word with with some of our biggest trade partners because we can see that negative impact and you know like I said with with Mexico being year to date one of our our biggest trade partners for the US uh, you know getting and discussing a potential tariff issue you know that's not going to be a great thing I think for for our economy and especially you know we're talking about tariffs as, as they relate in in tying them into to immigration issues where you know I'm not sure really those two overlap here and so we have to uh, find a way if they want to do that from a political standpoint you know maybe work with Democrats and, and try to come together in Congress and, and you know, not disrupt some of our, our trade problems. The other thing that'll happen, too, is, you know, if we go forward with, with some of these tariffs, you know, it could negatively impact our economy. It's definitely going to negatively impact Mexico's economy. And if Mexico's economy is negatively impacted, you're going to probably see more immigration wanting to come to the America with more opportunities. So I'm not really sure even the, the strategy there really aligns with, with the immigration conversations that they're having there. So again, you know, not sure we buy into what they're trying to do. Hopefully uh, there comes some resolution over the coming weeks before they go into effect. And if they do unfortunately have to go into effect, hopefully it's not too long standing. But, you know, we've seen again with, you know, trade China, we haven't had a resolution. Uh, I think these these trade wars are a little harder to win than than maybe we first predicted. And really, that's, I think, what, what's been impacting the markets the most in May is that, um, you know, there are some uncertainties with, with our largest trading partners. And, um, you know, the the economy it's going to impact it at some point and and we've already seen it a little bit in in some areas but uh you know the more and more it goes further the more it could have an impact even you know just the other day i saw uh, uh i think it was the ceo of jp morgan they issued you know their expected uh second quarter gdp growth rates only one percent that's that's a far cry from from the three percent, and uh, you know I do think we need to be cognizant that even the uh, strength in the first quarter that we saw, a lot of that was was based on uh, inventories and some other areas of GDP calculation that's not really tied to a stronger consumer, and so we need to be we need to watch these, and we are watching them pretty closely as as investors and and as we uh, manage our portfolios. Um, I think we have to consider all these areas in terms of making portfolio and, and risk decisions in the portfolio. And, you know, as investors, again, as, as we talked a little bit earlier, you know, we are 7% off the highs, you know, not a bad 
that time to take advantage of of some of that volatility but you need to take advantage of the volatility as it relates to your tolerance for risk and and make those decisions while taking into account how it impacts your your overall portfolio and and what you're doing in in the portfolio because yeah um, you know you need to make make decisions you know, without with taking into account the full picture and and making sure that you know you don't put yourself in an adverse position because again we could have these these things that come up that we're not expecting. I mean, who who was expecting you know potential of, of tariff talks with Mexico? I don't think that had been on the table until you know the tweet went out on Thursday night. And so these things again you can't really plan for, but that's what the uh, you know the stock market does. It's um, you know you can't plan for everything. And, and that's why, uh, you know, at times the market can be, can be tough. And, uh, but so far, you know, like I said, we're down 7%, uh, from the highs about a month ago, but believe it or not, when you look at, you know, historically over the last 35, 40 years, we average about a 14% drop in the market. So even this 7% sell-off is only about half of what we've, we've historically and, and typically seen on average, um, in any given year. So again, I, I appreciate everyone who uh, joined us today and, and listened to the show. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday. If you ever have any questions, always give our office a call, 518-720-3333. Um, it was great being with you. Had a lot to talk about. And uh, you know, please join us next week as uh, on Let's Talk Money here on 1031-810-WGY. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.